This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, Andrew Apanov here and uh, this is a new edition of the We Spin Recipes podcast. And today my guest on the show is John Skinner, the founder and CEO of Music Gateway. Hello John. Hi Andrew. Thanks for uh, having me on. It's a real pleasure to have you on the podcast and I'd like to ask you to provide a brief introduction to yourself, your background and to Music Gateway if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. So yeah, I kind of started out in the industry back in the late 80s. I come from a DJing background basically. So that was my kind of first, like many people, love of music from obviously a young age, progressing to playing out music. And then I set up a record shop in 91 in Guildford, which is just outside London. It was an independent record store and we sold, obviously it was all vinyl back then and uh, mixtapes and cassettes were still around. And uh, yeah, it was a, you know, a fantastic breeding ground for DJs. And obviously with the explosion of the dance music scene in the 90s, it was, you know, we had so many different people coming in who was kind of starting to make music as well and producers. So it was a nice hub of people around there. And shortly after that time, it was funny enough, it was one of the customers that came in that literally one day said, that, you know, do you fancy making a record? And I was like, obviously at that time, knew nothing about producing or making records. And he had a friend who had a studio and we literally hired it out for the week and made a couple of tracks. And rather than kind of trying to tout that out to other labels, we just kind of decided to do it ourselves set up a, an independent record label and kind of obviously things progressed from there. I obviously throughout the nineties, you know, I released mm -hmm. about 80 singles, a couple of albums and had a couple of crossover records. And, and basically my whole career from a music perspective has been all about, you know, an independent journey working yeah. either for myself, you know, very independent, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of you do in mind if I ask you what the genre was that you were focusing on or the genres. So my kind of initial love, as it were, was really kind of US house music. I was into a lot of vocal um, artists, but there were so many different things going on at a time. You know, I'm not one of these people who only loves, you know, one style. You know, I've produced drum and bass, house, trance, like varied mixtures. And obviously within house music, you've got lots of different types. Yeah. Indeed. So, yeah, it was quite, I was into very broad And obviously being in a record shop, you know, we sold everything from R&B to hip hop to, you know, mainstream music mm -hmm. right through to Gabba techno from Rotterdam and Detroit techno from obviously from America and stuff. But my kind of main love really was soulful vocal house. And I used to love big diva style vocals and stuff. Mm -hmm. But so that was kind of my love. But yeah, that's the kind of like, you know, music that I was into yeah. and obviously still into. But one yeah. important thing I would say, I'm into melody. So, you know, I love, you know, this styles of rock and country and pop that I like. I'm into good songs. So that's kind of where I kind of try and put my stamp on, as it were. Maybe you want to uh, mention some of the other projects that you've worked on, because I know that in the last decade, at least, you've uh, worked on a number of industry projects. Yeah, well, I, you know, so just to kind of carry on, really. So I kind of stopped producing around about 2004. I did an, my last kind of album with a singer-songwriter called Dina Vass, who was signed to Go Beat, which was part of Polydor at that time. And I actually met her through the label. I had a record that was signed to Go Beat. 
And that's kind of how we met. We worked together for a couple of years. But basically, an opportunity came up for me to start another company. I took a basically a little bit of a change from the music industry, but I set up a photography company working and supplying photographers all over the UK to nightclubs. So again, it was still kind of music related, you know, working in the whole nightclub industry. But that really gave me an in into developing all our own software. So that was the kind of first thing that I set about doing. And I obviously worked with a, a developer at the time um, to develop and manage all these photographers around the country. So at its peak, that company, you know, we got up to we had 140 venues and 350 photographers. So that really kind of was a massive learning curve from a development perspective, but also, you know, running a large scale business like that. So basically around about 2009, I kind of came up with the concept for Music Gateway. Obviously having that whole journey myself and the barriers that people face when you're trying to, because it's obviously one thing, getting in the studio, making a track, working with other people and singers and songwriters. You know, obviously you have to work with so many different people in the music industry to kind of make things work. But kind of once you've made the record, it's very hard to then get your music out there, whether that's through a label, get yourself on, you know, published and just generally get connected with other people. As I said, networking is, can be very time consuming. So I wanted to really build a platform that helped people connect, but do it in a very streamlined way. And also the more established people in the industry aren't kind of bugged and approached by people that aren't relevant to them. And that's the whole principles. We streamline the way people get connected and conduct business online. That's what basically the principle of Music Gateway is all about. So in 2011, I kind of two years after the kind of concept, I bit the bullet and decided to kind of invest and set up the company. And yeah, we spent two and a half years developing the platform. And the reason why we took so long was because whilst I'd been in the industry, there's still a lot of research to do, people to speak to, but we kind of wanted to make sure that we built a platform that could cope with large scale and obviously grow, you know, quite quickly. So we launched last year in the summer. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, to date, we've grown to just over 17,000 users on the site. And we've had over 2000 projects. And obviously, we have daily projects going on all the time. Mm -hmm. So just to kind of give your listeners a little bit of a clear understanding of what Music Gateway is and, and what's the difference between, say, LinkedIn, this for example. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, obviously, LinkedIn isn't project management. It's designed really to have a kind of an online CV and help people get kind of work. But the kind of the issues with using LinkedIn, for example, in the music business is that when you get connected with people, you can browse and you can connect and you can build up a network. It's very rare that actually someone is proactive and they actually physically do something when they're connected with someone. You're kind of building up a network thinking, oh, one day I might need to get do something with that person. Or yes, you might connect with an A&R guy you know, send him some of your music, depending on what your goals are. But it's not project management and it's very hit and miss. So with Music Gateway, you can't browse users. You don't add followers. People are restricted to getting connected through a project posting and, and a pitching process. So what, what happens when someone posts a project? And obviously anyone that comes on the site, whether you're a company or an individual, can post projects. You can define what it is that you're looking to get done, who you want to get connected with. So let's say if you want to kind of connect with a guitarist or a songwriter and you want to do a collaboration, you can post that project out 
and define what it is that you want to do. And then like a kind of dating site, we match the project details to the profiles of those relevant users. So we're only notifying people that have those relevant skills. So that's the whole targeting and and very streamlined way of connecting to the right people. And obviously that happens on a global scale. So whilst you might want to collaborate or co-write with someone, rather than restricting yourself to just kind of the local people that you work with, there's no reason why if you're in the UK, you can't co-write with a songwriter in Nashville LA, New York, or Paris. There's absolutely no reasons why that can't happen. And obviously it does happen and it happens all the time on our site. People internationally getting connected and obviously the platform, we provide remote working tools to help that whole process work seamlessly, which obviously I'll kind of come to in a bit. But back to the kind of the project thing. The beauty of it is that when you post a project, we notify the relevant people They come on board, review the project, and then obviously they can then decide to pitch. And a pitching is like applying. You know, it's like saying, yes, I want to work with you. Now, if someone was getting hired or they need someone needed some remixes, obviously a pitch would include a fee that that person wants to charge the project owner for that particular project or that piece of work. And vice versa, if there's a licensing or a sync placement project and there's a licensing advance, then obviously that's clear on the project. So it's a way of transacting, a way of securing work and obviously, you know, co-writing and collaborating with other people on a kind of a terms basis. Mm -hmm. So that's the whole kind of principles really about the whole site. And it allows the project owner then to communicate and kind of cherry pick from the pitching people that are pitching on that project. So was it kind of inspired by some freelance websites where just remote workers can pitch to? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's freelancer.com, there's Elance in America, and there's another one called People Per Hour. But basically, this whole kind of model has been proven. Those guys work in the IT field, so they connect clients with developers and graphic designers, etc., But yeah, I mean, I used Freelancer in the very early days when it was get a freelancer when they first started off and then they kind of bought up a load of companies. And absolutely, it's the same principle of people posting projects and then people pitching for those projects. Yeah, that's great. I love when some inspiration is coming from other industries when you want to create something cool for the music industry. Most probably it's been done for some other fields. So it's, I mean, you can gather some ideas. You definitely create from what I've seen. You've created something that is adjusted for the music industry and is different from all existing solutions that I've seen. Speaking of that, I'd like to hear what your thoughts are and were on the competitors and other platforms of a similar kind that popped up when you were developing the Music Gateway project during the two and a half years period. And I think even when you decided to create this, there were some existing solutions, weren't there? Yeah, I mean, I'll run through a few of them and I'll tell you what, that there's a really distinct difference between us and what other people are, are doing out there. So let's take taxi.com, for example. I mean, that's been around since, you know, quite the early days of the internet, really. So that's a subscription service that basically allows people to kind of be put in front of A&R guys. The problem is you're being asked to pay regardless of any success. So you're having to put your, you know, pay basically up front for that privilege or that opportunity. The other clear ones are, for example, Sonic Bids. And there's obviously been a lot of kind of, not just from me, but from other people out there in the press, there's a lot of negativity over pay to play. And essentially what a lot of these, all the existing companies out there that offer these opportunities, they charge people to pitch 
So Sonic Bids, for example, is a prime example of that, where they get opportunities for bands and artists to perform at festivals and specific gigs. But they're asking everyone to put, you know, 10 bucks or whatever it might be into a hat. And, you know, and then basically it's almost like a lottery in a sense of like, you know, a thousand people might put $10 in each. There's $10,000. The issue is morally is that Sonic Bids and other companies are sharing that revenue with the person providing the opportunity. So in my eyes and a lot of other people's eyes, there's a very clear conflict of interest there. Are they doing something purely to make money or are they genuinely providing opportunity? Now, their argument might be that they're doing both. They're providing an opportunity and they're making money from it. But if you genuinely, you know, I don't have an issue with people making money, but I think it should be obviously fair. Um, So the way Music Gateway works is that you don't pay to pitch. You basically... We have a subscription service, but we also have a free version that you can pitch on five projects, up to five projects a month for free. And there's only a cost when you secure work. So if you get paid through the site for a gig or you get hired as a producer or a session musician, etc., or even a license for your music in advance, we only take a percentage of that transaction like an agent would do. So we're only benefiting or we're only making a charge if you're earning money which is Mm -hmm. obviously fair. Obviously, we have a premium subscription model, which obviously is entirely a choice for the user if they want to um, have, you know, extra value benefits of using our site. But it's a very clear difference that we're not asking people to pay to pitch, which is basically the model of these pretty much most of the other competitors that are out there. So no one has a platform. And the other clear thing to make point out really, which differentiates ourselves from some of the other people out there is that They tend to go for really high level projects and then mass people to pay to pitch. Whereas, you know, on Music Gateway, it's a much more level playing field. A 19 year old guitarist that happens to be really talented can come on and connect with a Grammy Award winning 50 plus year old guy in America, for example. There's no reasons why those can't happen. And it's not about mass pitching to raise revenue. It's about making connections on a very like-minded basis and finding new talent and reaching out, you know, outside of your existing network. I really like that you explained the business model because obviously you've created this to also make it profitable eventually. And I really like when it's very transparent and clear how you intended to make money and at the same time what exactly is offered to musicians. I think because of the amount of services where you need to pay to pitch and pay for different kind of things, a lot of the artists are really afraid of something new appearing and I've heard quite a lot of comments on like hearing about something new and artists can think that it's just like another project that wants their money. So this is a good know-how exactly this is built. So do I get it right that pretty much every musician and producer, so I'm not talking about music professionals right now as industry people, but any artist can sign up for free basically and uh, even without being way too active on the platform but filling out the profile the person the musician can be getting some office of being notified about the projects relevant to what they do is it so no absolutely i mean you know we're all about generating opportunities now you know the best way to use the system is to be proactive and post projects because that gives you the control so if even if you are not a full-blown professional you're doing it 
part-time and you just love making music ultimately if you have an opportunity to get your music released or signed or licensed etc then obviously that's a massive thing it's a great opportunity but yes they can come on sign up for free create your profile and here's the thing it's really important that your listeners understand this if you don't fill out your profile because you create and you define your skills your genres of interest, and also any kind of business services and industry roles that you have within your profile. It's based on that criteria that we send you opportunities. So if you're a guitarist and you know, you're know you only into jazz and someone's looking for a rock guitarist, we won't tell you about it. You know, There's no point. If obviously you play different styles of guitar or whatever you might be, you're a songwriter, but you only really handle, you only write pop songs, for example, or it's all about making the project opportunities relevant to you. So if you come on, have an empty profile, you won't hear from us very often and you'll be missing out on obviously a lot of opportunities that you can pitch on for free. So that's really important. But as I said, the costs or the fees that we charge are on the receiving party. So when you do come on board and register, you can post projects for free. You can do collaborations and co-writes. And when you do get connected with someone, There's no fees whatsoever. So you can use the site totally for free and you don't have to be a subscriber if, you know, obviously if you don't want to, entirely up Mm -hmm, to you. mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. And actually about, I think it's a good time to clarify a little bit about the opportunities because I know that recently you've implemented a number of different sections for different kinds of opportunities. So right now it's easy to pick very specific needs if you're creating a project. But for a musician, what kind of opportunities are there? So just to explain, when we first launched, we literally had four core project types. There was a kind of collaboration. There was an on-spec project really designed more for remixes and song submissions. We had a kind of a, a straightforward kind of hire type, you know, when you wanted to hire a producer or a session musician. And then we had one a specific one for mastering. So because we're obviously a marketplace, we needed volume people on board to make the whole thing work. And, you know, that's what obviously our, our biggest challenge is like any other kind of online business, but particularly with ours, because it relies on quite a lot of engagement from within the system because it's the users that are generating the projects. You know, we're not feeding these projects. I mean, obviously, we support various projects and work with different companies and individuals, but that's more of a supportive thing of helping them learn how to use the system, etc. But the opportunities, so we've had over 2,000 projects since launched. And I mean, it's such a wide variety. As you said, I mean, we expanded all the project types in June. So we basically got rid of the original four and then created much more niche projects so that when a user does create a remix, they need some remixes for their single release, etc. Then our kind of wizard creates a much better flow and asks much more relevant questions to that type of project. So I think we've got over 40 types of projects now and now also expands out to gigs and live. So not just the recording and the creative process. And also we're now covering things like sync licensing. So when, say, an advertising agency, TV, film or even gaming developers want to license music to their specific products, game, adverts, etc., they have a specific niche project type that they can do that. And then again, you know, what the system does is it matches those opportunities to profile. So it's such a wide range. I mean, some of the highlights, I guess, we had Dave Stewart from the Review of Mix uh, do a collaboration project in uh, late last year um, following our launch. And we had 
he was looking for quite a quirky project actually he was looking for some musicians and music for an LA show mm-hmm. and it was kind of all it was a, like a circus a circus show so that was quite kind of a specific thing but we've had things like collaborations from Paul Oakenfold who's obviously a massive international DJ and producer He's obviously worked with U2 and people like that in the past. He did a collaboration looking to work with singer-songwriters. And recently we had song submissions for Call and the Gang, who have just reformed and signed through Sony in Germany. And yeah, I mean, there's been so many. I mean, everything from gigs, remixes, hire work, licensing, you know, obviously co-writes and collaborations really across the board. Yeah, so that sounds great. And uh, I think that you mentioned something about the new features that you are going to implement. Can you talk a bit about that? Because even I don't quite know yes. what it is just yet. <laughs> no problem. So so late last year, like literally four months after we launched, we were approached by EMI who used the system. And basically they asked whether we could create a private network for their songwriters and their management. So with a company like that, They obviously producing a lot of production library albums. There's a hell of a lot of submissions coming from all their composers and writers, and they needed a way to manage those projects. So we went away, and rather than developing something specifically for just for EMI, we decided to go back into the market. And I went away and spoke to um, advertising agencies, a number of people in education, universities, etc., music supervisors other publishers and record labels. And what we found was that everyone had the same issue. When they get briefs in or when they get projects, everything's done very manually. It's all via email and spreadsheets and Dropbox, sharing Dropbox. And they get submissions in from their writers all in different formats. And sometimes it's a link here and sometimes it's SoundCloud. Very, very inefficient and inconsistent. And when you get to an end of a project where you kind of need to capture all the metadata and really kind of finish and nail things off, again, everything is very long-winded and time-consuming. So we decided to build a private network solution for the whole of the creative industries that covered. So we've got kind of different bespoke types of the network that's catered for each kind of different type of sector, if you like. So we've got one for labels, we've got one for publishers, And we've actually already done deals with a number of big clients. So in the education sector, for example, we've done agreements with BIM, which is the Brighton Institute of Modern Music. So they've got 10,000 students working Mm -hmm. across the UK in eight locations. And the private network allows their tutors to assign coursework to the students. But more importantly, it allows the students to post projects within the network So it's the same principles of what Music Gateway is as a marketplace, but it's confining the projects to obviously the authorized people within the network. And it also allows the network owner to control and authorize who is in their network. So it's not something that you can kind of search and, oh, I'd love to join that network like you might do on a group on LinkedIn. This is an exclusive, controlled, authorized invitation that you'll receive from that network. Or it can be purely just for the management and roster of a company like a label or a publisher, for example. But it obviously streamlines that whole process. So one just kind of key benefit I wanted to point out is with music supervisors, when you're doing sync licenses for for adverts and TV and film, etc., they send out a brief. And especially in the TV world, there's a massive quick turnaround on all the submissions. 
So what Music Gateway within a private network allows the client to do is post that project out to all their and assign that project to the relevant songwriters or composers within their network. And they can then submit all their music back to workspace or one convenient central place. And then the client can then invite in the music supervisor at the end of that process. So once he's kind of whittled it down, the submissions down to the top three or five people, you know, for Mm -hmm, that project, mm -hmm. the music supervisor can come in and then review those final submissions. So it is really an all-in-one solution for managing all those projects. And, you know, there's no file size limits. It's kind of an all-inclusive system. Yeah, interesting. And basically when people get inside the network, they can also look outside this network on Music Gateway yeah, for other absolutely. opportunities. So it's an integrated solution rather than it being like some of your listeners might be familiar with kind of a white label solution. It's totally branded by the clients for the projects that are within the private network. But yes, when someone comes into a network or gets invited in, they can still receive the opportunities from the marketplace and they obviously just have one profile. So it's kind of done on a privileges basis. So you're either authorized into a network or a number of networks or not. Um, Yeah, so you can still kind of get the other benefits of the site. Excellent. They're really interesting. And where will it be live approximately? So we're looking at a launch at the end of October. As I said, we've already kind of confirmed a number of clients. So we're just at the very final stages, finishing off all the testing and the final development for the network. But yeah, we're pretty much ready to rock. We're just in that sort of final stage now. So obviously, if anyone's listening and they obviously want to get in contact either with myself or one of my team, they can do that via musicgateway.net. And there is actually a page, a private network page on the site that gives a kind of a brief overview but the whole system is bespoke so anything to do with oh that's my sorry about that uh, sound popping up in the background it's all about you know we deal with clients on a one-to-one basis so it's not something this isn't something that you just kind of sign up for willy-nilly this is something that we talk to the client about their needs and we can cater and tailor everything to their own circumstances awesome sounds great and i will be linking to all the appropriate links in the show notes Anyway, so it will be really easy to find a way to contact you and to check out the project and so on. So brilliant. I really like the way you're developing this and the personal approach as well. I think it's really important these days. Obviously, it's difficult to afford when you're a huge corporation at some point because personal communication is not so scalable. But this is so great that you dedicate time to. I think, you know, on that point, you know, that's just, I mean, I know Kickstarter, for example, you know, that they're a massive leading crowdfunding company, but they've always taken the policy of being very, very, this is a vehicle. If you want to talk to us, you know, there's not a phone number, you know, all their support is via email and it's very kind of, I'm not slagging them off. I'm just saying their strategy has been very hands off, whereas we've taken the complete and utter opposite approach. When our pro-level guys sign up, for example, they get a personal invitation from an account manager. Mm -hmm. If they want to have a conversation over the phone or on Skype, we're there. All our contact information is on the site and we're there to kind of support and help people. It's kind of really important that I kind of get that across that we're not just doing this to money grab and make music. You know, I've been in the industry 27 years. I know how hard the industry is and I know how hard it is for people to kind of further their career. And we, it's a personal thing for me and the other management here that we will really want to kind of help people as part of this whole process. We have to pay the bills like everyone else, but we're genuinely here and we're open to speak to people. You know, Mm -hmm. we're not hiding behind our IT curtains, as it were. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really like how it sounds. 
Excellent. So probably to wrap it up shortly, I'd like to ask you if you have any advice to a musician to have high chances of succeeding. So you mentioned uh, the need of filling out a profile, but do you have any other specific tips to an artist interested in checking out Music Gateway? What to do to have high chances of uh, winning projects? Yeah, you know, there's a couple of things generally as well. So first and foremost, you know, definitely have a profile and, you know, link in your SoundCloud account or upload directly music to your profile. The first people think people will do when they're reviewing your profile is listen to your music and the quality of your work. You don't have to put up whole tracks. You can put up minute sections. It's entirely up to you. You can embed any videos. So if you have got some music videos, make sure that you embed those from either YouTube or Vimeo. Complete your profile in that sense. You know, obviously images, people want to see what you look like and stuff. There's a biog section there. But I think just generally, the best bit of advice I can give musicians and aspiring artists and producers, etc., is you've really got to go out there, get out there and work with as many new different people as possible. Because when you do collaborate and co-write and work with other people, you tend to raise your game. You're making a commitment to a project and someone else. You know, it's very easy for us all to let ourselves down. But when someone else is involved, you feel compelled. You don't want to let them down and you tend to raise your game. And obviously, it's a massive learning curve. I mean, you know, I'm still learning. You know, I'm 44 now. I, you know, I'm learning all the time. It's a constant learning process in, you know, obviously, I'm not got my hands dirty now on the music side of things, but that's something I want to kind of go back to later on. But you really need to stretch yourself and kind of realize that there's a lot of opportunities out there as long as you are proactive. If you come on the site and just wait for opportunities to come, that's fine. But you are limiting what you can do and who you can reach out to. So it's like anything in life. If you really go for it and define what it is that you want to do, you can achieve it. But you have to kind of get off your, you know, your backside and do it. And that's the best bit of advice I can give you. You know, just one quick example. If you're not signed to a record label and you're not published, but you've got music out there, you've done the DIY route and you've distributed your music and you're doing sales, etc. It's really important that one, you're registered with the rights, you know, with your PRS or PPL in the UK or your the right PRO in your territory, ASCAP and BMI or CSAC in America, etc. It's important that you're registered, but it's also equally important that you make sure that you know you work outside your network by working with someone else who's signed has got a record label deal or is published or is managed by kind of working and connecting with those type of peoples naturally you're going to get introduced to their label and their publisher and their management so by working with other people it then opens up other doors for you and that's really kind of key something so important and i can't kind of emphasize that anymore Excellent. Very practical and actional advice. I really appreciate that. Great. So, Sorry if yeah. I've kind of went into one there a little bit too much. but It's, but, uh, it's just perfect. Exactly the type I hope to hear. So it's really great. I don't have a lot of questions for you right away, but I'll okay. be keeping an eye on the uh, project and developments of Music Gateway and actually trying it out and using it myself. Yeah, so thank you a lot for all the insights and for the listener. The links are on the page with the show notes. So there is nothing that may stop you from just checking it out yourself. Yeah, so thank you. Thanks, uh, thanks fantastic. a lot for... I mean, Andrew, one final thing I'll mention. Yeah. I mean, we have following the private network and, you know, moving into the early next year, 
We are going to have a dedicated, what we call an A&R tier to the system. I can't really talk too much about it at this stage, just for, um, but you know, there's going to be other major developments to the platform, you know, really exciting and stuff. And obviously we can have another session and talk about that later on, or maybe even towards to the end of the year. But Andrew, fantastic. Thanks very much for inviting me on. Nice, um, nice I hope it's yeah. been great. And obviously we'll uh, speak again. And um, Absolutely. Yeah, I will, thanks, yeah. thanks very much for having me. Thank you. And we'll definitely speak again of the show. Thank you. You have been listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast. Learn how we can help you improve your music career at wespin12.com. We Spin 12.